Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you, Pastor Johnson. Thank you, everybody. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just pray before I get started here, and then, then I can just start talking, and it'll, it'll already be qualified as a sermon. <laughs> let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what we've already felt in this, in this building tonight. This is a phenomenal place, Lord. The possibility that presents itself in this church is exciting. A lot of places, God, there's just not a possibility. It's not going to happen. But here the possibility is always here every time they gather together. That somebody will be rescued. Somebody will be saved. Somebody will be filled. Somebody will be delivered. Somebody will be healed. Somebody will have a turnaround miracle in their life. And Lord, as this amazing group of praise singers led us in worship tonight, I felt your power surge in this house. And God, I just ask you to find some way to get around me or through me and help somebody in this room tonight, Lord. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I sent you here right now, God. I believe miracles will take place on this Wednesday night in the next few moments. And thank me, thank you, God, for allowing me the privilege of being here. We ask you to bless your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Johnson, for allowing me the opportunity to be here. And Pastor Brandon, my son, and I drove all the way to Houston, about 250 miles to Pasadena, the other side of Houston, to hear your pastor last night. And we were not disappointed. He's an amazing, amazing preacher. And my old friend Ike Terry said, when I was just a kid preaching for him in Bakersfield, I preached for him 16, or for six solid months. When I was about 17, he had a big old church in Bakersfield. He said, son, let me tell you something. As you get older, you go around, and he said, when you see a great church, he said, remember, there was one person that gave their life for that church. And that's what you've got here. Pastor Johnson's given his life to make this church what it is. And this is an amazing place. And I know you appreciate it greatly, but just remind yourself every day, we've got a, an amazing pastor. Not only is he an amazing preacher, but an amazing pastor. There's a lot of pulpiteers around, not many of them with the expertise of your pastor, but there's even fewer pastors that really bleed, love, pray, care, for the people that they pastor, and your pastor does. You're always on his heart and always mine. And don't take it for granted that I've got a place to take myself and my family because this church is the most important place in your life. Amen. You might live in a million-dollar house, but this church is more important than your million-dollar house. You might, have, you might have a medical clinic, or you might go to a a business that you own every morning, but this is the most important place in your life because it's here the issues of life are solved and here that you buy your ticket for your eternal destination. 
and you're blessed by this man of God. And he's just an amazing man to watch in the pulpit. I've got a friend, Jonathan Stringfellow. Jonathan Stringfellow is a young guy. He's about 38 years old, and he's, he's a white guy, and he preaches like a black guy. And I tell everybody he's, he's a cowboy. I say he's John Wayne by day, and he's T.D. Jakes by night. <laughs> but he said, he'll say, he'll say, Pastor Steve, boy, he said that Rex Johnson something. He said, I've never seen anybody that can adapt themselves to a situation. He said, I've heard him preach this all over this country and said just different kinds of crowds, and you'll think this is not his crowd. But he said he never misses it. He said he can adapt to whoever's there and change their life. And that's well said because that describes your pastor. He's an amazing preacher. He really is. And I'm... And I'm on a, I'm on a mission to be... Your, uh, the second favorite preacher. Not, not in this church, in mine. He's, he's their favorite preacher. I'm trying to be the second favorite preacher in my church now. He, he's preached more in our church in the last few years than any other one preacher, and, and we want him back as often as he can come. Well, he asked me tonight to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're an old Pentecostal, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're a younger charismatic, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's the same thing. Those are synonyms. They mean it doesn't matter whether you call it the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You know, if you're charismatic, you, you praise like this. If you're Pentecostal, you praise like this. But, you know, whether it's like this or like this, it all gets there. Whether you call it the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it all happens the same thing. But I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and when I was 10 years of age... I went to a place called Murfreesboro, Illinois. Murfreesboro, Illinois was where our district camp was. And that night, Tom Fred Tenney was the speaker. And uh, he spoke on a sermon that he had got from Jonathan Edwards called, It's a Fearful Thing to Fall in the Hands of a Living God. Of course, I was 10 years old. I didn't know he got it out of a book. I thought God gave it to him. But it was powerful. And I was 10 years old, and that night I gave my heart to the Lord. And that next Sunday, back in our little church, I got baptized and I wanted the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I wanted it for all the wrong reasons. I wanted it, number one, because I was the only, in this little church, 100 people. And do you know how conspicuous you feel when you're the only one in a church that does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I just felt like everybody was just shunning me, like the Amish shunned people. I was being shunned. And so I wanted because of other people. And then I wondered because I was in mortal fear because somebody told me if I didn't speak in tongues, no matter what happened, I was going to hell. And so with, with motivations like that, it was impossible for me to receive the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so we had church on Wednesday night, Saturday night, and twice on Sunday, which was four services. And for four services for three years, I went to the altar every service and did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I knew people wanted me to receive it. I felt like I had to receive it. And then I was living in mortal fear. Those are really not good motivations for receiving a gift. And it is called the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
the baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an undeserved gift of grace. It's an undeserved gift of grace. But that's not what they told me. What they told me was that it was a symbol of your perfect submission and sinless presentation of yourself to God. And my problem was, I knew I wasn't any of those things. And so I couldn't receive the Holy Spirit because the thesis was that when you get perfect enough, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I've been married for a long time, 43 years, and my wife gives me an anniversary gift every year, but it's not based on, on uh, my perfection. It's just based on her love for me. It's a gift that she gives me. The Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. You know, there's a billion, they claim there's a billion people that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and practiced glossolalia, spoke with a different new tongue. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply the Holy Spirit of God indwelling, infilling, submersing, baptizing a man, a human flesh, simply being submersed into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit filling you until you're just full and overrunning. This is a promise that is made to every believer, not just certain believers, but every believer. He said, for this promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the evidence of it, I believe, according to the scripture, is that you speak in a new language. And I've been asked, why, is, why would tongues, why would God choose tongues? Well, number one, he's sovereign. He can do what he wants to. You know, a lot of people ask me why I do stuff with what I do with what I do with, with what I got. Well, because I want to and I can. So somebody asked me one time, said, why did you, you buy that place? I said, because I can. God's sovereign. Swore, swore by himself. So God just said, I want to do that. Second thing is he uses the foolish to confound the wise. <clears throat> Intellectualism does not embrace speaking with tongues. It's just a foolish gesture that God has chosen for that purpose. Number three, he said, except you become as a little child, you can't see the kingdom. It brings you, speaking with a new language, brings you to a childlike state. And number four, the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. It's the last member of the body to submit. I was driving, was walking downtown San Antonio one time. We got the big old Bear County Jail down there. And it was a nice day and the windows were open, but the bars were still there. But those guys were way up there, three or four stairs in the air. And they had them incarcerated, but they had their hands on those bars, and they were screaming out those windows. They thought they had them incarcerated, but not quite. Their tongue was still able to move. It's the last member of the body to submit. That's another reason why. Number five, it's fair. Everybody's got a tongue. What if God required 
proof of your ID to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That could be a problem for some of you. It wouldn't bother me a bit as smart as I am, but not for some of you. <laughs> no, truthfully, some of us, some of you would qualify because you are highly intelligent. But some people just wouldn't be smart enough. God said, I'm going to choose something that's fair. And there's nothing fair than using this as the evidence, speaking a language. Anybody can do it. You know, one thing I've found about God is God's always fair. He's always fair. But when we talk about <clears throat> the Spirit of God, so many Christian people become alarmed. You know, there's probably nothing worse than feeling like you're a part of something, and all of a sudden you're disqualified. That's what Pentecostals have done. There have been millions of people that have had terrible lives. <clears throat> terrible lives. And they went to a Baptist church or a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church or no church at all. They just went to the cross and had an amazing experience with God. Transformed their life forever. And they were joyous. The Bible doesn't say there's joy in the presence of angel over one sinner that speaks in tongues. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to the Lord. So these people have these amazing experiences, and then we, Pentecostals, Charismatics, whatever, we come along and say, look, buddy, if you don't speak in tongues like we do, you ain't got nothing. Have you ever wondered why we're not the most popular brand in town? People don't like to be disenfranchised. People don't like to be told that they don't have what they do have. And as much as I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there are multiple experiences in God. Lots of experiences in God. And this is just what I believe, and, and Pastor Johnson might believe it a little differently than I do. We'll be close because we're the same spirit, but it might be a little differently. But the Bible said in this, in Philippians 1.19, For I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I believe there's a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I believe when a person comes to the Lord and they believe on Jesus Christ as the Savior and they give their heart to the Lord, I believe they receive a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, I was going to tell you her name. The lady from Denver, Colorado, Marilyn Hickey. Marilyn Hickey used to say, may God be big in you. And I would talk to her. She was on the radio and I was in my car, so she never ever objected to me talking to her. <laughs> I said, Marilyn, that's so stupid. May Jesus be big in you. You either got him or you ain't, Marilyn. I'd tell Marilyn that every day. She never did say nothing. And then one day I said, I was reading the Bible, and said, Christ formed in you. I said, shoot. Marilyn's right. There are different formations of Christ in you. There are different supplies of Christ in you. And so I believe that when a person comes to Jesus, 
They receive a measure of the Spirit. He calls it a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Right there. But there's something else. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is not a supply. The Bible said in John 3, 34, remember this verse. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit but measure unto him. Remember what the text is that I'm using tonight. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which, may, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. Right. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is that? That is the same Spirit that was in Christ. That was the immeasurable spirit, not a supply, not a portion. It is simply a flowing, immeasurable spirit that the best definition that Christ could find was to call it a river. It's so difficult to measure the river because it's always flowing. It's a continuous stream. You see, the spirit of God that I finally received three years after I give my life to the Lord, that spirit flowed into me, but that, that spirit that's in me is not a dormant, stagnant experience of 50 years ago, but it is a flowing of the Holy Spirit that's been flowing through me all of these days. And it's simply unlimited. It has absolutely no limit. And so when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that means you have the Spirit without measure. And there is a difference. You know, I deal with all kinds of Christians, people that love Jesus totally. But there is a distinction between people that are baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're just a little less quit in them. There's just a little more joy in them. Just a little more exuberance in them. It's because it's not a measurable amount. It is an immeasurable flow of the Holy Spirit that flows through them. It changes their life Totally, totally. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a supply like it is when we accept Christ, but it is an immeasurable river, Jesus said. It is God's spirit without measure. It is a river, a river. You know, I went to preach in a church down around Corpus Christi one time, and they, they kept wanting me to come. They they'd visited my services there. And somebody told me, he said, that's an assembly of God pastor and his wife. And, and he wasn't that much on me coming, but his wife really loved the church and loved my ministry. And she kept, they had about 300 people. And she kept saying, Pastor Steve, come down and preach. She said, we'll, we'll have a special service. You come down and preach. I said, okay. So I went down and preached to this service. And there was a group probably about this size that night. And I preached about the baptism of the Holy Spirit to an assembly of God church because that's assembly of God doctrine. It's very acceptable. And, and while I was preaching, the Holy Ghost began to fall. I mean, just all over the building. People just started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Probably 150 people received the baptism that night. We got back in the office. I said, sir, I said, how long have you been in the Assembly of God? He said, Assembly of God? He said, we're Southern Baptist. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I preached the wrong message. He said, that's never been preached here, sir, I'll tell you. But he said, you know what? I kind of like that. 
He said, can you come back and preach some more of that? There is a outflowing river of God that's available to everybody. But we do ourselves and everybody that we come in association with a tremendous disservice when we put ourselves on a pedestal because we have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and somebody else that loves Christ as intensely as we do, that simply never ever heard it explained, never ever really understood, and has probably been somewhat offended by some well-meaning, misguided, charismatic, Pentecostal person that was trying their best to share their gift but their ability of communication was greatly lacking. And so instead of making that person appetite whetted for the baptism, they turned them off to where they didn't want anything to do with people that spoke with that heavenly language. It's really our fault. It's not their fault. If we had been more delicate, if we had been more sensitive, if we had been more complimentary of their experience, rather than degrading people that had had their sins forgiven and their relationship with Jesus Christ cemented. There wouldn't be a billion people filled with the Holy Spirit. There'd be two billion people filled with the Holy Spirit. This is our finest day and our finest hour. And just because you walk in love does not mean you're compromising anything. In fact, sometimes you're a compromiser because you won't walk in love. You simply don't care enough to take time to break it down. Don't give your newborn baby a slice of pizza. That's not a good idea, folks. You'll choke him to death. We have so little patience with one another. The Bible teaches us, let us continue in the unity of the spirit till we come to the unity of the faith. Let us pour from vessel and vessel. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so there's supposed to be a river that flows outside of us. But look at the text that I read with you. For he whom God hath given the words of God, for God hath given not the spirit but measure. Notice that this verse is tied and links in this verse, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the spirit without measure, to the words of God. Remember what Jesus said. This is the key. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. You see, you can believe on Jesus in a whole variety of ways, and it doesn't affect you totally. But when you began to believe on Jesus as the Scripture has said, it will literally release in you an immeasurable supply of the river of the Holy Spirit. You've got to believe what the Bible says about Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe what the Scripture says. There are only two requirements to receiving the Holy Spirit, no matter who you are. Number one, the Bible teaches us that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your heavenly Father, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to ask him? Ask him for the Holy Spirit. Ask him for the Holy Spirit. In those little, in those little Pentecostal churches where I was raised and started preaching, nobody ever, ever asked anybody for the Holy Spirit. They got them down there and they shook them and the altar just shake them and shake them and shake them till their dentures fell out. I was in Vivian, Louisiana preaching one night back in my early novice days doing what I'd been taught to do, shaking an old boy and he got up and I had my hand on his head. His name was, his name was Frank and old Frank was quite a deal and I was shaking him and doing all the stuff I'd been taught to do before I knew any better. I was sincere. 
Sincere, and sincerity is not just a, it's not just a, a, a password for everything. Just because you're sincere, don't mean you can punch people in the face. <laughs> Sir, why did you strike this man? Well, I just sincerely thought he needed it. You're still going to jail, I'm sorry. And so I had old Frank, and I was spitting on him and shaking him in, in his ear. I had my head up on his hand, and he was a bachelor. Old Frank was about 35 years old. He kind of liked the ladies, and the ladies kind of didn't like him, but he was trying hard. Wasn't a handsome guy. And honest, folks, I wouldn't have done it for the I didn't know Frank had a toupee on. I didn't know that. <laughs> had no idea that Frank was wearing a toupee. I had my eyes closed, and I was a sheep. I looked up. That old toupee was just sitting right up like this. Just kind of waving at all the single girls in the church, you know. And then after a while, that thing just flopped totally off. But old Frank, he, he was sincere. He had his eyes closed. But I, 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 I remedied the damage. I, put, I got that thing and I put it back on him. It was my first experience with a toupee. And I didn't know the front from the back. And, When Frank left that night, everybody thought he was coming in. <laughs> His toupee was on backwards. <laughs> but that's the kind of the way we did it. But that's, that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said the way you receive the Holy Spirit is ask the Father. Just say, Father, I would like to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to roll in the floor. Nobody has to spit in your ear. Nobody has to say, hold on. Nobody has to say, turn loose. None of those things. It's a very simple thing. The God of the universe wants you to have this gift. It's not a matter of waiting on God. Nobody's tarried for the Holy Spirit since the day of Pentecost. It was the end of a dispensation and the beginning of another. Now it's whosoever will, let him ask. It's to you and your children and all that are far off. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so the number one thing is, ask the Father. The number two thing is, Jesus said, believe on me as the Scripture have said. Believe on Jesus as the Scripture has said. Well, what is that? Oh, the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe that. I don't believe that God's power is diminished. I don't believe that Christ is any less today than he was 2,000 years ago. I believe that Jesus can do exactly today what he did then. If you've got a sickness in your body, it's simply us believing him today in this room. And while I'm, while I'm talking, uh, you don't have to have me to come back there and lay hands on you. You don't have to write me a check for $1,000. You don't have to send Jan Crouch $5,000. You don't have to give Mike Murdoch a $1,000 seed offering. Uh, and I know all these people, and they're wonderful people, but you don't have to do none of that. All you've got to do is believe on Jesus Christ as the scripture has said believe that he is the same yesterday and forever believe that he's ever present believe that he's in this house right now believe that Jesus Christ is going from pew to pew you remember the man that had been there 38 years only one out of the multitude got a miracle but that wasn't the only one that Jesus talked to he talked to everybody in the multitude not very good odds, just one in a multitude. But every boy and every girl, every man and every woman tonight will have a whisper from God in their ear and God will be talking to you. It can be about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
if you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit here in this room tonight before you leave, God will say to you, would you like to have the Holy Spirit? And you can play dumb and just ignore him and not receive anything. Or you can be a grouch and say, no, I don't want it. But that's not the only thing he'll talk about. He'll talk about your body. Would you like to be healed? He'll talk about your marriage. He's concerned about your need. But you must believe that he is. Praise God. The same yesterday, day, and forever. What he was, he is now. He's never changed. Praise God. He said, believe on me as the scripture has said. Not as the Pentecostals say is. Not as the Charismatics say is. Not as the Baptists say is. Not as Steve Fender says he is. He said, believe on me as the scripture has said that he is. Hallelujah. Believe that I am. Believe on me as the scripture has said. Oh, the Bible said he's the same. The Bible said there's no shadow of turning. There is no variableness. That means he's a good God all the time. Praise God. The Bible said this Jesus is the Son of God. This Bible said he is the Almighty. This Bible said he's the Rose of Sharon. This Bible said that he is the Almighty God. This Bible said he is the Savior. This Bible said he's the Baptizer. This Bible said he's a Healer. This Bible said he's a Waymaker. Praise God. It has nothing to do with your posture. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to fall on the floor. You don't have to raise both hands or one hand. You don't have to stand on one leg. It's not posture. It's what do you believe about Jesus? Believe on him as the scripture has said. Oh, he is my mansion builder. He is my soon coming king. He is my intercessor, praise God. He is the right hand of God. He is the power of God in his salvation. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the everlasting. What he was, he is. Praise God. Oh, that's the Jesus that is in this house right now. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now. Praise God. These are the two principles for receiving the Holy Spirit. Ask the Father and believe on Jesus as the Scripture has said. Those are the principles for receiving the Holy Spirit. But once you believe and receive the Holy Spirit from those two principles, you will learn to use those same two principles to get everything else you want. Because praise God, when I get get sick, I ask the Father, heal me. And it's a gift, praise God, just like the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I begin to believe. If he could heal the sick in the Bible, if he could raise the dead, if he could open the blind eye, he can take care of my flu. He can take care of my heart condition. He can take care of my leukemia. He can take care of my diabetes. Praise God. It's a principle. Ask him. Ask him. He said, you have not because you ask not. Ask him. Ask him. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you ought to ask him right now. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Can you lift your hands and give God praise? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory, glory, glory. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Mm, It's the best news. The gospel is called the good news. The good news. 
men and brethren, what shall we do? They were downcast. They were convicted, might even been condemned. What must we do? But suddenly there is a burst of good news. This promise is unto you. That means those of you that crucified Christ, this promise is unto you. It's more good news. Our God does not hold a grudge. For three years I drug myself in and out of an altar thinking that God held a grudge against a 10-year-old boy because that's what they told me. And I had to escape that condemnation and that fear and realize uh, that the God that I serve does not hold grudges. And praise God, suddenly this promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, if you have a need in your life, it doesn't matter if it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit or deliverance from leukemia or diabetes. It doesn't matter what it is. My God is able. My God is able. He's in this room right now. He's in this room right now. Why don't you call on him? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes? Can we just praise God tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory. You see, I've got a sermon to preach and I'm about halfway through it. But that's not my purpose. That's my method. And so you can let me finish my sermon and I will go home so satisfied I get to finish my sermon. Or you can do what they did in the book of Acts. While Peter yet spake these words. Why Peter yet spake these words. You know what he had to convince them of? He preached a lot of good things in that message, but you know what the keynote phrase was? I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, Jews and Gentiles, it doesn't matter. This promise is unto you and your children. Praise God. You tithe pairs on the front row, I wanna tell you that God's got a gift for you. You people sitting on the back row that are just thinking about giving, but you've never given a dime here, God's still got a promise for you. God's not selling this thing, he's giving it away. God's not selling this thing, he's giving it away. Whosoever will, let him come. Give God some praise in this house. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Somebody ought to get healed right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just get all kinds of notes and things I want to say. But I'll tell you what, I just feel the Holy Ghost saying, you've said enough. The people are ready to ask me tonight for what they want. And they're at the point of believing me. And I'm going to baptize people in the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm going to heal people in this building tonight. I'm going to meet needs in this building tonight. I'm going to change people's lives in this building tonight. I'm going to open doors in this building tonight. I believe the time is right now for you to walk down this aisle and say, praise God. I'm asking you, God, 
And the Bible said, be specific. You have not because you ask amiss. Be specific. If you want the Holy Spirit baptism, ask Him for that. If you want healing, ask Him for that. If you need money, ask Him for that. If you need a marriage fixed, ask Him for that. Be specific in what you need, but just ask Him, number one. And number two, believe on Jesus as the Scripture has said. And He's here. He's here to cause you to walk out of your sickness, to walk out of your pain, to walk out of your problem. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is in this house right now. The power of God is here. I challenge you to come to the front of this building and ask the Lord for what you want and let God do it tonight. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost is here. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.